I hope you're saying with me today, that's what I want. I want to know more and more of the hand of God upon me. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, that's a bold statement for anyone to make, that you want the hand of God on you more than anything else. But what does that actually mean? Well, the phrase comes from Ezra, and it's in other places in the Bible as well. But it's really Ezra's explanation as to why he was able to do the remarkable things that he did. It's very simple. The hand of God was upon me, and he says it again and again and again. And, you know, you look at the story that we're looking at in the Bible, and you say, how did he do what he did? I mean, he overcame all kinds of difficulties. And that's why the hand of God being on us as we seek to serve him really is the most important thing. What are we going to accomplish apart from his help, apart from his hand? So we're going to look at this very wonderful theme today, that the hand of God can be upon you, that God is with you, that his help will be given to you as you seek to serve him. And that because of this, you can look to him with expectancy and with confidence. It'll give you courage. It'll give you perseverance. It'll give you strength. May the hand of God be on us as we open his word and then as we go out to serve him in all that he's called us to do. Let's continue to look at the book of Ezra from chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, uh, continuing our message, The Hand of God. Here's Colin. Ezra sends a delegation of his leading men to a place called Casaphia, where apparently there were a large number of Levites who had settled. And in chapter 8 and verse 17, we're told the message that they took to this Levitical community. Send us ministers for the house of our God. You imagine this delegation arriving. We come to speak to the Levites. We come to speak to those who know that they are called to vocational ministry. And here's our message. Send us ministers for the house of our God. And chapter 8 then tells us that out of this, Ezra got two men. The name of the first was Sherebiah. And the name of the second was Hashabiah. They were Levites and they were leading priests. Chapter 8 and verse 24. One of them known especially for his wisdom or discretion. And with these two came other members of their families. 36 others altogether. So a total group of 38 Levites who changed their minds, had a change of heart and joined the second return. But here's the focus of the story. 38 Levites changed their minds and became willing to give themselves to the vocational service to which they were called. Ezra is quite clear about why this happened. Send ministers for the house of our God and by the good hand of God on us, they brought us Sherebiah, and they brought us Hashabiah, and with them 36 others who changed their minds and became willing to give themselves without reservation to the service of God to which they knew they were called. When godly leaders presented the challenge, 
the hand of God changed the hearts of 38 Levites. And they became willing to serve. There's a real principle here. You see, God works through faithful people. It was when Ezra had the courage to go and ask the king that God then put it into the heart of the king to not only allow, but in fact to sponsor the second return. The hand of God moved as Ezra had courage to act. And here it's as he takes the initiative and he sends the delegation to Casaphia and he lays out the challenge. Now, we need servants for the temple of God. We need people who are going to step forward for the work of God and give themselves to it fully. Well, when that initiative was taken, the hand of God moved again. And some people who'd said, I'm not doing that, had a complete change of mind and of heart. Friends, let me then lift this verse of Scripture and just state it for us today. Send us ministers for the house of our God. Is there someone in the congregation who God would move to take up some new form of service for him, perhaps in vocational ministry, that will involve you giving up the stability of the life that you have, moving to another part of the world as these Levites did? And you've had all kinds of reasons as to why you can't do that, you won't do that. And yet somehow you know that God is calling you to do precisely that. And as you hear the call, the hand of God begins to work in your heart. And something begins to change. What will God move your heart to do in service for him? Now, the hand of God is what gives us courage. The hand of God is what moves us to serve. I hope you're saying with me today, that's what I want. I want to know more and more of the hand of God upon me. I want the hand of God to give me courage. I need the hand of God to move me to serve. Now, here's the obvious question at this point. How then can I know more of the hand of God in my life? How can ministry be more than me doing my best? How can I know more of the help of God? How can I know more of the spirit of God? How can I know more of the anointing of God in what I seek to do for him? How can I know more of, as it were, the hand of God being on my shoulder as I seek to serve him? Isn't that something that you would want and desire? And Ezra tells us how it was that the hand of God was on him. Look at chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. The good hand of his God was on him, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now notice that word for, it's of huge importance because it's giving us an explanation 
as to why it was that the hand of God was on this man in such a remarkable way. The good hand of God was on Ezra for because he had set his heart to study the law of God and to do it and to teach it. Study, do, teach. In other words, Ezra was not interested in learning for learning's sake. Some people love to study. And this can be one of the dangers of study, that we can become absorbed in learning about the Bible simply for learning and study's sake. It becomes an end in itself. And Ezra is making it very, very clear here. Now, that's not how it was for this man. The reason he immersed himself in the scriptures is that he wanted his own life to be shaped by them. And as his own life was shaped by them, he wanted to be equipped in order to bring the blessing of the word of God into the lives of others. Friends, the hand of God will be on us as the word of God is in us. Immerse yourself in the scripture, not simply as an academic exercise about learning its content, but in order that your own life may be shaped by it and your own ministry fueled through it. Immerse yourself in the scripture and the hand of God will be on you. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and today looking at the book of Ezra, chapters 7, 8 and 9, thinking about what it means to have the hand of God on us. And I hope that's your prayer today, that you have the hand of God on you. If you want to go back and listen again or if you've missed any of these series, you can do that by coming online to our website, openthebible.org.uk or find us as a podcast, search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Back to the message now, here's Colin. Now, let me try and draw some simple conclusions from the big picture of this sweeping story that spans 100 years that we've been looking at from the book of Ezra. My heart has been stirred by this story. I hope yours has too. And I want to end with three very simple encouragements. Here's the first. God is good to those who seek him. God is good to those who seek him. Chapter 8 and verse 22, Ezra tells us, the message he brought to the king. Remember, he goes into the room with the king and all of his counselors and the military all there. What did he say? Well, he tells us what he said in chapter 8 and verse 22. We had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him and The power of his wrath is against those who forsake him. I went in to the presence of the king and I said, the hand of God is for good on all who seek him and his wrath is against those who forsake him. And God gave weight to these words of Ezra. And we know that from chapter 7 and verse 23, where we find out how the king responded. He said, whatever is decreed by the God of heaven, let it be done, lest his wrath be against the king. Ezra, you just told me 
that the wrath of God is against those who forsake him. And I believe you. And I don't want that to be me. Therefore, let whatever God has decreed be done. The hand of God is for good on all who seek him. Now, could there possibly be a greater encouragement for us to seek the Lord today? The whole message of Ezra is return. That's the word that sums it up. And the prophets put it this way. Return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and God will have compassion. He will abundantly pardon. God is good to all who seek him. And if you will return to him, if you will draw near to him, if you will really seek him from the heart, if you will come to him in faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be sure of two things. One, his hand is on you because it's his hand that's brought you to that place. And number two, his hand is on you for good. And he will always, always, always work for your everlasting good. Second encouragement. Don't ever despise the day of small things. Don't ever despise the day of small things. The whole of the story of the return is the beginning of an era that was less grand than what had gone before. Remember the new temple that was built was much smaller than the magnificent old one and you have Zechariah the prophet saying, do you despise the day of small things? The numbers that returned, we've seen, were relatively few. The first return, 50,000 people. But remember we said that that was probably only about one in six of the people who could have returned if they had chosen to do so. And if you add up in chapter 8 all of the numbers of those who came in the second return, you'll see that it's much smaller, nowhere near 50,000. In fact, it's less than 2,000. It's, it's numbered in hundreds, not thousands. Those who returned under Ezra were few in number. But here's what Ezra wants us to note. Yes, this was a relatively small group, but the hand of God was on them. And that's the thing that really matters. We hear a great deal today about people leaving churches. What is the percentage of Americans that attend church? Oh, it's declining. And that should concern us, and we want to do everything that we possibly can to help people that are moving away to turn around, think again, and to return. But I want to say this to you. Don't be unduly discouraged by statistics. That is a major lesson of the return from exile because what matters most in this story is not how many people returned, but what God accomplished through them when they did. And it was into this community, sometimes called the remnant, 
this relatively small returning community. It was into this community that the Savior of the world was born. Never despise the day of small things. Third, God has some delightful surprises in store. Now here I want us just to remember the overarching story that runs over a hundred years as we've tried to follow it through these weeks. Sometimes God hides blessings in strange places and I want to end really with what to me has been a, a delightful discovery this week, something I'd never known or noticed before. And again, it's back to the names. It's easy to pass over lists of names in the Bible, but it was one remark from a commentator that I read that caused me to look more closely at the names of those in the second return that are listed at the beginning of Ezra and chapter 8. And it's very clear if you look through the list of these names and compare them with the names of the families that returned in the first return in chapter 2, that most of the people in the second return were relatives of those who had participated in the first return. So to take just one specific example, if you look at chapter 8 and verse 10, we read about 160 members of the Bani family who joined Ezra for the second return. That's chapter 8 and verse 10. Then if you flick back to chapter 2 and also verse 10, you'll see that there were 642 members of this same Bani family that had joined in the first return. So what does that tell us? That those who went back to Jerusalem in the first return had others in their families who followed later. Follow Jesus Christ and others will come after you. And I want you then to imagine with me a young boy in Babylon just 10 years old. I'm going to call him Young Master Bani. And his parents are returning to Jerusalem and as a 10-year-old, he comes with them. But he has an older brother, a teenager, and he refuses to come. Young Master Bani pleads with his older brother, oh, please come with us. I don't want to be without you. I want you to be with us in the city of God. But his older brother is resolute. He refuses to return. You go if you want to. I'm staying here in Babylon. So young Master Bani, 10 years old, returns with his father and with his mother. He's 10 when they build the altar. He's 10 when they build the booths to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. He really enjoys that. He's 12 when they lay the foundation of the temple. And then for the next 16 years, the whole work grinds to a halt. So he's 28. When he hears the word of God spoken by the prophet Haggai, his heart is 
stirred and he gives himself to rebuilding the temple of God. It takes four years and when it is finished, he is 32 years old. As years pass and as he moves into midlife, Mr. Banny often wonders what came of his brother. He often grieves of what he has missed because his brother was so determined not to come. Years pass. And then at the age of 90, old Mr. Banny hears news of a second return. After all these years, there are some hundreds of people who are now returning to join the city of God. The old man goes out with many others to welcome these new arrivals. He gets talking to a man in his 50s, and with him are his adult children and their children who are running around with excitement after this long journey. What family are you from? The old man asks. I'm from the Banny family. The old man asks some more questions and then with tears welling up in his eyes, he says, your grandfather was my brother and I have wept over his refusal to return. But now all of you are here. God has some delightful surprises in store for those who love him. And who knows what God may yet do in future generations of your extended family. One of the joys of the last day will surely be to meet family members from different generations who we have never known and who we have never met and yet they were gathered just as we were, by the gracious hand of God. Pastor Colin Smith there ending our message, The Hand of God, which is the final message in our series, Return, taken from the book of Ezra. If you've missed any of the series, don't forget you can always go back and listen again or catch up online at our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can also find us as a podcast. Go to your favourite podcast site and search for Open the Bible UK. Don't forget you can also find Open the Bible Daily on our website. That's a series of short two to three minute reflections based on Pastor Collins' teaching and read in the UK by Sue McLeish. Sue, who do you think would benefit from regularly hearing Open the Bible Daily? Well, David, I think everyone would benefit, but for myself... I just love hearing a book from the Bible, bit by bit, just explained so beautifully and carefully. And, and it's also, it's not too long. It's just at the start of the day, and you can take the reflection into the day. And in questions, too, of course, just make you think a little bit. At Open the Bible, we welcome contact with our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and you'd like to reach out to us, there are several ways you can do that. You can write to us at Open the Bible, P.O. Box 1420, Cheltenham, GL50, 9PG, 
or you can phone us on 0330-335-8089. If we're not available when you call, leave a message for us and we'll return your call. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners, that's people exactly like you. We'd love to encourage you to give a regular donation. This is very helpful for the work of Open the Bible, which spreads the teaching of Pastor Colin Smith around the world. If you've been blessed by Colin's teaching and you want to set up a new regular donation, we'd love to thank you by giving you a gift. In return for setting up a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'll send you a copy of a book. It's called Psalms by the Day and it's by Bible scholar Alec Mottier. Colin, how would we benefit from reading this book? Well, I expect that folks will often have had the experience of feeling that you've read something from the Bible, but you've really only scratched the surface. And uh, I've found this book to be really helpful in a deeper understanding of the richness of the book of Psalms, which I think is one of the most wonderful books in, in all of the Bible. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book to thank you for setting up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. Details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and for Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us next time. How does God prepare his people who are on the cusp of something new? Find out next time on Open the Bible.